Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. We have several topics to go into today. The first is uh, Mea Culpa. I misspoke about the director's name last week on the set of Rust. The director's name is not Jeff Souza, it's Joel Souza. And as just a slight update, there have been a number of issues that have come up on the set that were disturbing to not only the investigators, but a number of the crew members as well. A lot of ammunition was found on the set. A lot of ammunition was found in a van that was part of the set. And there was a rumor that was going around that members of the crew had taken out the guns that were used on the set to do target practice during their lunch hour. But that has since been debunked. At least they don't have that to deal with. But the more they discover, it looks like, the more trouble this set was. I and heard Gutierrez Reed, is that the name of the armorer? Yes. Her lawyer allowed her to put out a statement that said, I have no idea how that ammunition got on the set. Yes. Well, that's a pretty bad lawyer who's going to let her client say, I have no idea how that happened, when it's your job to make sure that doesn't happen. Exactly. No, the lawyer was not doing her any favors. Let's see. We wanted to talk about... The pared down... Oh. Reconciliation the bill. reconciliation bill. The compromise. What to say about that? It is 96% positive mm-hmm. in the Senate, except for those two Democrats. Right. Who are 4% of the electorate. Oh, right. Don't want to yeah. go ahead with this bill. And right. it's very upsetting. There was this whole thing on Tuesday that lasted about six hours about having a billionaire's tax. Ron Wyden was one of the representatives who came up with that idea. Mm. And then that was completely... It uh, was shot down. It was shot down. Now it looks like we have a 1.85 yeah. it's what, trillion what I, dollar. The good news is, I believe, the amount dedicated to climate issues stayed in, stayed the same. It's $555 billion or something. And yeah. they didn't gut that. That's a miracle to me. Well, they did not allow for the electricity issues that were supposed to be in the bill. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's half, robust. It's it's half a trillion dollars. Yeah, it's the biggest part of the whole bill. Yeah. So that gave me hope. But I wanted it to pass. I wanted some momentum. As a Democrat, I just, I feel like I need a little, throw me a bone and pass the damn thing. The two things that were on the table that were making this really essential to get momentum for mm-hmm. were the Glasgow summit in Glasgow. They wanted to have it pass before Biden went to the summit. Yes. And the Virginia. So he could say, look what I have. Yes, and hold other nations up to a higher right. standard. And the Virginia governor race, which oh, right. Terry McCullough wanted yeah, that to be able to point to. The, it's taking the air out of his race. Well, he yeah. wants to be able to say, this is why you elect Democrats, because right. they get things done. Right. And but Republicans it also energized don't. Democrats to get up and vote. At the same time, the deal with the Virginia election is that they seem to have this candidate in Glenn Youngkin, mm-hmm. who is getting closer and closer. He's got a lot of traction. McAuliffe wants something to be able to point to right. to counteract that. Just today, they said they're not going to be able to have it ready for a vote by Tuesday. Oh, they did say that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is the art of the possible. Yeah, and I think maybe it will turn out to be a good thing because maybe the people who want stronger prescription drug control, price controls, I guess the community college thing is never going to go back in. Yeah. But I think there's some discussion about maybe something about reviving the paid leave in some way. I think part of the delay is because it maybe has become possible 
for some of the stuff that was gutted to be put back in. That would be fantastic because be the paid family the weight, leave is, barely. we're just so far behind when it comes to yeah. family leave. And but I did hear too that if they don't do family leave, they're going to bring it up as, as an individual bill. Oh, great. Yeah. We need it. And then, and in a way that'll be good because they'll have, have people on the record of whether you're for it or against it. Yes. And Joe Manchin can have a field day. And so can Kirsten Cinema. Right. Those two. We've said so much about them mm. that it's not worth going into again. But it is a real dilemma what to do with Democrats who don't vote with the Democrats mm-hmm. and don't want what the Democrats want. Right. It's hard. And it's also that we're in a dysfunctional period that we may never get out of, where if you're Republican, you just oppose. I'm sure there are some Republicans who believe in much of what's in that bill, but they're not going to vote for it. Our government is not functioning. Because Mitch McConnell would have their heads on a platter if they did. Right. Anybody who gets out of line on the Republican side is going to suffer for it. Yeah. And that's probably the end of their career. Mm. Anywho, what was our next topic? Oh, the climate summit? The climate summit. This is a big deal. It was supposed to have Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, and Dara Mokdi from India, mm. and all of the big heads of state mm-hmm. who are the biggest polluters. Right. Those people are not going to be there now. Right. So it's this thing that was written into the Paris Peace Accords that mm-hmm. they would meet every five years. Mm-hmm. And push each other to become better about climate change Mm -hmm. and how they are polluting. But India is not going to change. China has said they're not going to disband coal until 2030 when we're still going to be rising in our greenhouse gases. Mm -hmm. It's really a tough one. It's going to be the European Union, England, and the United States basically talking about how to bring the other smaller countries into this climate change. I was reading too, there's a north-south hemisphere divide, that northern hemisphere countries like us and like Europe, up until recently, we were the big polluters up until China and India just overtook us, but we're still not great. But a lot of the damage that's already starting to happen on the planet that's endangering people's lives is happening more in the southern hemisphere where there are a lot of more poorer countries. Mm -hmm. And so I hope they figure out a way to understand that we have to subsidize those countries somehow. And if India can't afford to go off coal and oil right away, why can't we, the Western nations, the wealthy nations, Figure out an economic solution. I just think it's too big. The country has a billion people. Yeah. I don't know how we subsidize India because India is supposed to subsidize countries like the Maldives to help them from going under. Well, that's tiny. I mean, why aren't we getting wind and solar power put in place in India and places like that? Or even going to China and saying, let us help you convert. I don't know. When I read about the summit today, I got discouraged because it still seems like there's no sense of urgency. It doesn't seem like there's a sense of urgency. And the problem is that there are so many oil and gas Mm -hmm. companies and coal companies that are thwarting the move to solar and wind. And they have a lot of money invested in continuing to use up and pollute with greenhouse gases. Yeah. One writer I read said one ray of hope is that now climate change caused disasters are happening in the first world. Well, in Germany, right. in, in particular, Germany had that horrible right. set of floods that killed people. And I read about Hawaii today. Hawaii is in big trouble. They're losing oh. huge amounts of their beaches 
because of the rising... Really? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. They're in trouble, and it's already severe. Not only that, the coral reefs are dying around Hawaii. Oh, they are. And when that happens, the fish don't come anymore to feed on the coral reefs. So it's also a food issue. Yeah. It's, it's going to be much more than just, oh, we lost a certain amount of footage on the beach because of erosion this year. It's going to be, we yeah. don't have any fish in the ocean to well, go out and catch. as one article that I read said, Germany, the richest country in the, the EU? EU, was flooded. Mm-hmm. And California, the richest state right. in the it's Union, on was on fire. Mm-hmm. I'm not terribly optimistic about this. I take some hope out of the fact that Biden at least prioritizes it and with the bully pulpit and also with legislation. Yes. So, I mean, that's certainly a step in the right direction. But if you look at a global crisis like the COVID pandemic, Mm -hmm. that was a global crisis that we have not responded to in a global way. Right. We've responded to it in a very, we're going to take care of our own. The EU did that. The United States did that. Right. And countries in Africa are really suffering. Right have very, I've heard, as low as 3% Yeah, I only read that today. I thought we were distributing these things all over the world. We were supposed to. We did to to India, didn't we? When they had that extra wave of some variant. And I remember Biden saying he was going to send a billion doses or something over to But even India India has their own production. Yes. And what we were supposed to do was send it to Africa and the really emerging nations. That's right. But COVAX was supposed to take care of that. And then it didn't Mm -hmm. because we didn't dedicate enough vaccine right. doses right. to COVAX. So right. And so the, if we can't have a sense of urgency about that, which is so much more tough. manageable. Exactly. And so much more present. Right. You know, people being it's sick. now, right. And dying. The yeah. problem with climate change, and everyone knows this, but by the time it is felt, it will be too late. And it's being felt now, and it really it's is. It's starting to be. Well, but even now, it's like incipient. It's only going to get worse when the food supply dwindles. My only hope is that we will have some sort of technology that will take care Carbon of it. Carbon capturing. My hope is that somehow, some way, and I don't know if it's Elon Musk. It or, has to be Elon Musk. Or, He's our only hope. Or, or Bill Gates or someone who is paying $100 million to... Well, I heard whoever. there is research in that. Yeah. And I heard it, and they haven't made much headway, but there's at least looking into it. I mean, we'll be, you and I will be gone off the planet yes. by the time it gets really, really bad. But the next generations will be here. Exactly. But, you know, your kids and grandkids will be here. Yeah. I know. And it's frightening. It's true. Shall we go on? Let's, let's go let's on. Let's go on. Shia. Well, we're going on to the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Who is the, was the 17-year-old mm-hmm. who in Kenosha, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. shot- in August 2020. August 2020, shot three people, two of whom died. Right. And his trial is going forward. On Monday, they're going to do the jury selection. Right. So it's imminent. The judge in the case has said that the people who were killed could not be called victims. They could be called rioters or looters, but they could not be referred to as victims. But I want to know, can Kyle Rittenhouse be referred to as a psychopathic vigilante? Because that's what he was. That's a good question. You know. I do not know. There are two versions of the story. One is that he came to Wisconsin after three days of rioting. The rioting started because Jacob Blake, a black man was shot seven times in the back Mm -hmm. by a white cop who was never charged. His charges were dismissed. Mm -hmm. That caused rioting in Kenosha, Mm -hmm. where Jacob Blake lived. 
the rioting was very severe. There was looting, there was fires, yeah. an entire car dealership was set on fire. Right. And all. I think I heard that when Rittenhouse showed up, the protester, agitators, whatever, demonstrators had lit a dumpster on fire. Yes. And were pushing the lit dumpster down the street towards some business that they wanted to So there incinerate. was definitely violence mm-hmm. that was taking place. But he was coming from Antioch, Illinois. He was underage. He was not supposed to have a firearm. That was illegal, at least in Wisconsin, for someone under the age of 18 to have a firearm. He came there with a medic's kit Mm -hmm. and claims that he was there to keep the peace. To help. And I think there was a call that had gone out by some far-right group group all hands on deck. Yes. This whole idea of white vigilante justice is so bizarre. It's so crazy. It's the same thing. We're going to get to January 6th. It's the same mentality. White people feel entitled to become law officers at will whenever well, they feel like when it. there are black rioters right not when there are white rioters right. but when there are black rioters right right they feel that it is incumbent upon them to show up with their arms right and take it upon themselves yeah. to fire and you even have laws in other states that you have these citizens arrest laws some of them go back to pre-Civil War, and others are more recent. There's one that Georgia had that they had to take off the books because of a case where the white folks just got out of hand oh. and started taking law taking enforcement. Yeah, taking law enforcement authority in their own hands when they huh. felt like it. I've just had it with this idea that if you're white and pissed, you can go out and shoot people, and it's okay. I think it really does transmogrify into January 6th. Those people were cut from the same cloth. I don't know what you read today, but certainly these people were ones who felt that it was incumbent upon them to change the outcome of the election on January 6th. Right. And also to take the law into their hands. Yes. Like, what was I seeing about one of them? One of the officers that was attacked is thrown on the ground and kicked and all of that. And then what they were yelling was, get his gun and shoot him with his own gun. Yes. Because they felt entitled to do that. And the system does entitle them to do that. Not a single white person that I know of had a knee put on their neck for doing any of these crimes. No. Not a single one. No. Some of them weren't even brought up on charges until much later. But I mean, there's no presumption... Of guilt. Of guilt or of that you've acted in a bad way that warrants your being arrested. Although in the riots, certainly people who were dressed as Capitol Police people... Mm -hmm. And anyone else who was dressed as a law enforcement officer Mm -hmm. were subjected to a great deal of violence and stress and beatings. Right. So it's just interesting that a group that you would think would be for law enforcement Mm -hmm. that day suddenly was not into Blue Lives Matter at all. Right. Rittenhouse, I read, he went to two or three different locations and shot people. And then the real cops came on the scene finally, and he walked out of this melee with his gun strapped across his chest and his hands up, and the cops didn't stop him. They didn't know. They let him go. They not only didn't stop him. Because he was white. Yes, but I think that they also drove him to a fast food place and got him some kind of Whopper or something like that. If a black person came out of that group, they would be shot. They would have been shot hands up. It wouldn't matter. They should have been in the back. Yes, that's right. I was reading something today. This is a little bit of a non sequitur, but I was reading something today about how people who are black end up being shot because they have minor traffic infractions. Right. What happens is police officers will put themselves in harm's way if a suspect is fleeing. 
mm-hmm. in their car after they've been stopped, mm-hmm. they'll jump onto the car or they'll create a situation where the stakes are so high that they then can claim that they are afraid for their lives. Right. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's so true in the Rittenhouse case. It probably is. In the other case, we talked about briefly the Arbery case. Yeah. That's definitely a case where the white aggressors perceived themselves as under attack. Exactly. They were the victims. Yeah. Well, we may as well talk about the Arbery case for a moment because that's coming up as well. Mm -hmm. What happened in that case was Ahmed Arbery was a young black man who was running in a very exclusive area in Atlanta. Jogging. Yeah. He was jogging. And he happened to wander into a house that was a construction site and walked out again, Mm -hmm. didn't take anything, didn't touch anything. Mm -hmm. And people who had heard, quote unquote, that there was someone who was robbing houses in the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. took it upon themselves to basically hunt him down. Mm -hmm. The father and son team. And the father was a retired member of the police department in Brunswick, Georgia. And the son, they found out later, had all this social media exposure to white supremacist and pro-Trump Oh, I didn't know that about the son. And then there was was a third person whose name I don't know who was filming the whole thing. And filming it. But also was in on it. He was in on it. Initially, we thought he was filming it and then had turned it into the police and he was one of the good guys. But now it turned out that he was there on the quote unquote hunt. Right. He was abetting the the father and son team. So they stop him and they get in a fight and then they kill him. And then they claim that they were under attack. And they weren't arrested for... They hunted him down like a freaking dog. And they were believed and not arrested for, I think it was 77 days. Right, as the video, right? It wasn't until the video came out, I think. Maybe it was before, but I know the video wasn't released for a long time. And then it finally was made public and that changed things. Okay. But they can't find jurors in that case that aren't already tainted. And it's gone through, I think they're on their fourth prosecutor. Because first it went to the district attorney who had conflicts of interest because she was in cahoots with this yes. McMichaels right. guy. And right. then they say she should have appointed a special prosecutor, but instead she gave it to another law enforcement oh. person in that area who also had a conflict of interest. And it, oh. it kept getting handed down because they couldn't find even a prosecutor who wasn't tainted. And they finally apparently did, but I know they've been having a hard time getting a pool of possible jurors. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. So I hope they move it out of there. But it's been justice delayed. It's been delayed incessantly. Yes, and he was such an innocent. Yeah. That's what's tragic. I mean, it's all tragic. All he of was guilty of jogging while black. Yes. And not a single cop came up to those McMichael guys in their pickup truck with their shotguns and put his knee on their neck. That's right. We don't yet have racial justice mm. in <sighs> our country. It's just so maddening. It, it is. It makes me think of Robert in his supreme whiteness helping to gut the voting rights yeah. act no that because as far as he can tell racism oh i don't think it's a problem no, anymore no there is no racism anymore yeah. so why should we have something that would ameliorate it crazy um, yeah should we talk Deep about Pan's Labyrinth? Well, of course. Last night, we went to the David Geffen Theater, otherwise known as the Death Star, in the Motion Picture Academy Museum, which has a separate theater. Mm-hmm. And because I can't walk up numerous flights of stairs, we got to go on the elevator, which was like going down the yellow brick road. Yeah. I really thought we would have had to have dropped breadcrumbs in order to find our way back if we yeah. hadn't had an escort. 
It was a beautiful theater. I mean, yeah, once you find it. <laughs> <laughs> or climb to it. Yes. We watched Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. And that was something that I had mentioned last podcast because you had seen the Franco right, documentary. Right, the documentary, Silence of Others. And Pan's Labyrinth has to do with a young girl because her mother marries someone who is an underling of Franco's, mm-hmm. a very violent underling. Is he a general? I don't even He's know what they called him. some kind of capo. They called him the captain. And he is someone who is trying to root out the guerrilla protesters mm-hmm. against Franco. Still up in the hills. That are up in the hills. Fight, even though supposedly the revolution has ended, but I guess there's still revolutionary bands that were not putting down their arms yet. So Penn's Labyrinth was directed by Guillermo del Toro, who is kind of a master of horror and... This is probably the most based-in-reality piece that I've seen of his, Mm -hmm. in that it's centered in the lives of people who are living through this war. Right. And into the mix comes a young girl. I'm not sure what to believe, but apparently she believed that she was a princess of the underworld. She had a very rich fantasy life. Yes. Yeah. And the first time that I saw it, because there is tragedy throughout it, Mm -hmm. I was into the real world tragedy. Right, the historical facts. Exactly. And this time I was much more buoyed by the fact that this girl sort of achieved her dream Mm -hmm. in a fantastical way. Right, right. And it's just an incredible film Mm -hmm. in that it's got beautiful cinematography, the sound and the music was so evocative. Right. It has fantastical elements as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sort of a little magical realism like they yeah. have in the Mexican world. Yeah, it was really cool how they would juxtapose these violent graphic war-like scenes with her descent into this mm-hmm. underworld mm-hmm. where she had these tasks that she had to perform and yeah. do in order to fulfill her own destiny. He's an interesting filmmaker. He collects horror memorabilia. Mm. And he had an entire showing of his memorabilia at Lock. Wow. His stuff is much more about the grotesque. Uh huh. And this, in a way, was from what I've seen of his since was a real departure because mm-hmm. it was the it was fairies, kinder. it was beautiful, mm-hmm. and there was this sort of this underworld that was very elevating. Right. Yeah. Well, and you had the innocence of the main character herself. He did The Shape of Water. Didn't that win an Oscar? Oh, my God. Yes. And he won an Oscar for that. Right. Nightmare Alley. Pacific Rim, a lot of these I haven't seen, but I've heard of them. They're big movies. Yes, they're big. And there's the Hellboy and Hellboy 2. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think that is going to do it for us for this week. All right. It's time to say goodbye to our Buddha friends. Okay. Well, we're crossing our fingers for... Virginia. For Virginia, for Oh, my God, McAuliffe. Yeah. We'll be talking about that next week, I'm sure. Yeah. Adios. Bye-bye, boomers. See you soon.